July 23, 2011, Amy Jade Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning at the age of 27. In the early 2000s, when Amy burst into the music scene, music fans and critics quickly embraced her retro soulful and jazz-inflected vocal style, as well as her heart-wrenching lyrics. Sadly, Amy's art imitated life and the British singer became a tabloid fixture as her problems with alcohol and drugs led to a public career breakdown. Nevertheless, Amy's unforgettable vocal style and honest songwriting will forever cement her place in music history as one of the most influential singer-songwriters of all time. So we're back with part two of Amy, and I got my girl Megan and Cristiano. How's everybody doing? Hello. Back. Um, so I guess if your daughter went off and got married without you, it was a small wedding. It wasn't like anything massive. Just went to the justice of peace and got married. Would you be okay with that? I think I'd be fine. Yeah. I as think mu- I would be as, too. As much as I'd love to be there. Right. That's something that they decided on and... It's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. them. As you guys know, because this coming up for you two in 10 months. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of doing it almost like the Blake and Amy way. Where it's immediate. Except you got your parents we'll there. We'll have our family there, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the immediate family. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a big one. Nope. It's going to be small just because it is a, just about you two. Mm-hmm. It's about the journey. Exactly. That's right. All right. So this was a journey, as we're going to get to right now. <laughs> so in June, to, but your journey is going to be different without the heroin yeah. and the crack. Oh, cute. Leave yeah. that out. And oh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll show up to your, wet, your, your party that way. Hey. Oh, well, no. Put the beehive going. <laughs> yeah, just leave the heroin and crack. <laughs> what? Anyway, in June 2007, Blake attacked a man in a London pub that led to a charge called grievous bodily harm with intent. And Amy spiraled out of control uh, after this attack and canceled shows sometime at the last minute because of this charge. She just she took it bad. And on the evening of August 6th, Amy and Blake, so this happened in June, and by August, a few months later, they were together at her apartment when she suffered the first of what became a series of drug-induced seizures. Oh, my God. So, yes. Blake called Amy, called Juliet Ashby, right, and Nick Shymasky. He called them. Amy was taken to the hospital where her stomach was pumped, and the next day Mitch took Amy to the Four Seasons Hotel. I think it's even in the documentary because the Mm -hmm. paparazzi was there to recuperate it. He took her there to recuperate Blank Blake, I keep calling him Blank. Blake. Blake joined Amy 
and they got high. Now, she's supposed to be recuperating. And Mitch said this was the first time, I'm sure, because they didn't know what was going on, really. He said this was the first time that he had become aware that she was using crack, which I probably would have been surprised, too. I, I probably believe this. In contrast, Janice seemed resigned to seeing her daughter's self-destruction. She told the Mail on Sunday, a part of me has prepared myself for this over the years. She, she said that Amy told her, I don't think I'm going to survive that long, Mom. It's almost as though Amy's created her own ending. She's on a path of self-destruction quite literally. And I thought about that. How must it, how sad must it be to see your mega superstar daughter um, and who happens to be very wealthy spiral dangerously and completely out of control? Uh, I guess there's different ways to deal with it. Because we've seen it in, in, like, even to a certain point, even though she straightened herself out or whatever, and she had an experimental period, but even Miley, mm -hmm. when she started spiraling out of control a little bit. Brittany. Brittany. But her parents, I mean, yeah. they're, they're two different situations. Right. It, Brittany did not have a drug problem. Amy has... Wait a minute, what? Not like this. Not like this, but there was a drug problem. Well, they nipped it in, in the bush. The, the point more... is, is her parents were like, cut the shit. I think, like, I think we're Brady stepping had... in to handle Well, this. he had to come in and be her guardian. He did. But she fought him. I mean, she started she dating the paparazzi she guy. Tried, she tried to fight him, but her parents and were like, And she shaved no. her head. But look, Amy's... They're different situations. They're different situations, There's but someone she started spiraling completely out of control, too. Brittany did. She did. And this... There's someone struggling with addiction here versus someone not struggling with addiction. You don't think she had an addiction? I think she was struggling with the concept of fame. I think she was struggling with an addiction, too. I don't think she was addicted. Prescription drugs? No. You don't think she had to be addicted to something to shave her head? I don't. She looked crazy when she was outside that gate. I'm not saying she, was she didn't, something. but I don't think that she was dealing with what we're dealing I think with she, here. I think... I think Britney Spears had like mental, like she was diagnosed. She so. was, yeah, she's, she is. But bipolar. so was she. So was Amy. Well, then, then there's the two different situations. You had parents that were on top of it and you had parents that weren't. And mm. I'm not saying, that's, right. that's my point, is that right. her, Britney's right. parents stepped in and were like, right. even though, her even dad, though, even especially, though she fought him, yeah. yeah. she fought him just like Amy fought. Yeah. They were like, I don't care what you say, this is what's going to happen. Whereas right. her parents, not what just is, not that they're a, to blame, but, like, they just didn't do anything. Well, Janice, we know, was kind of struggling with her own disease. You're right. I mean, but I, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say even, even if it had been somebody who was completely on top of it, I don't know if Amy could have necessarily been saved. Even if you have done, like, what Britney Spears' Maybe Spears's not. Maybe dad. not. But, like, I think she would have still, because... And I don't disagree with you, but mm -hmm. you have to try. My point is, like, there's got to be a pushback on it. Right. I mean, he tried when he put her in that hotel, and then Blake that goes up in the joint. trying. Journey. You put her in a hotel and let her husband go up there, who was clearly the drug user here? He t But see, he's her husband. You can't keep him out. Brittany didn't marry... Well, didn't she marry somebody for 70 hours? Yeah, it was, like, some ex-boyfriend. Alexander? No. Uh, yeah. Alex, was it? Alex something. Alexander. You had to be clearly out of her Jason mind. Jason Alexander. That was Jason it. Alexander? 
What? Yes, but that was like... Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, it was like a New Year's thing. But they went to Vegas and it was like everybody... That's when probably when her dad was like, oh. Well, her dad no, stepped in... that was in. before Kevin. That was way before... That was oh, that's right. Yeah, so she was something going on because... She was rebelling. She was rebelling and with stuff. With, and she with was... Stuff. 22? Like like this this chick here. And then there's Sam Lufty. Remember that paparazzi she guy? She was trying to rebel. And he was giving her pills it. and yeah, stuff. And so... <sighs> and, and and even Lizzie Lohan, look at how bad oh. it got for her. She was out here by herself. They shouldn't have let her out no. here by herself. And she really spiraled out of control. It, it's just... And then when you get put immense fame up into that joint, I just see... I would not want that. Oh, my God, I wouldn't either. I would hate all of that. I mean, if it came to it, I would say no fame if yeah. it meant this, all this stuff. But anyway, so Blake and Amy were persuaded to go to rehab, to a rehab center in Essex, but they didn't stay. So they persuaded them, but they didn't stay. They fled to London well, wait a minute. They fled. Oh, yeah. They fled to a five-star hotel in London called the Sanderson. And in mid-August 2007, in the early hours of the morning, Blake and Amy had an argument while high. This is the one that everybody saw around the world. Blake flew into a rage, smashed a bottle, and started cutting himself because he was a cutter. Amy cut herself out of a weird sense of loyalty and they were photographed by the waiting paparazzi when they I walked down that. the street. And she had mascara coming down her face. And they said it was people were shocked by it. Blake's face and neck bore what looked like fingernail scratches. They weren't deep, but they were bloody. And Amy's, Amy's mascara was smeared on her face as if she'd been crying. Her left wrist and forearm were bandaged. Her pants were scuffed with blood showing at the knee. Blood was also soaking through her little ballet pumps. Uh, they were saying some, they, I read somewhere it was erroneous that she was um, shooting heroin through her little um, mm -hmm. toes, but they said later on that wasn't true. She said it wasn't true. I don't know. She didn't, probably didn't need to do it. She was doing it anyway. Uh, but she texted uh, Perez Hilton this long text of which concluded, I was cutting myself after Blake found me in our room about to do drugs with a call girl and rightly said I wasn't good enough for him and I lost it and he saved my life. That's what she texted to Perez Hilton. This is out of control. <laughs> I know. It gets... In that documentary, yeah. she says yeah. about the cutting because mm -hmm. Blake did it and she does it and she goes, I'll do anything you do. Yeah. So... I don't, I don't know. And to be a cutter anyway, even on Blake's part, it just goes back to what um, Nick Shymansky said. He found that he was just a lost kid as well. Yeah. You know, because um, they even be cutting yourself. Oh, he had his Crazy. own demons for sure. Completely. And in fact, they said that documentary helped dispel him as being the evil guy. You know, her dad came out, they said, looking <laughs> worse. Yeah. Because, you know, than him, you know, because he was the villain for so many years. Um, I don't know if there's any true villains, you know, in this situation. No, she, the drugs and the alcohol were the freaking villains. Yeah, I mean, she she's in, she needs to take ownership for the actions that she chose to do. Right. But at the same time, there are people in her life or in her inner circle that did not help the situation. Right. 
exacerbated it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they took advantage of it or they mm. made it worse or yeah. they did nothing. That's true. That's true. So following this incident, Blake and Amy flew to the Caribbean island of St. Lucia, where they lay low while a series of concerts, including an entire U.S. tour, was canceled. you imagine the money she missed out on that one? Mm-hmm. So ironically, during this turbulent time in her life, she enjoyed her biggest U.K. hit, which was a cover song, Valerie, a love song written and previously recorded by the English indie rock band The Zootons. Valerie is a song written by the English indie rock band The Zootones from their 2006 second studio album, Tired of Hanging Around. The song was the band's biggest single to date at the time, as well as their second UK top 10 single. When it became a hit in the summer of 2006, it found an unlikely fan in Amy, who wanted to cover it for Mark Ronson's 2007 second studio album entitled Version. Ronson later remarked, I wasn't sure how it, her cover version, would work, but she went into the studio and tried it. I loved it, he said. Amy's cover version, released in 2007, was more successful than the original version, peaking at number two on the UK chart and number one in the Netherlands. Which she recorded with Mark Ronson. He produced it. I love that song. It's a great song. You've I love it. You've heard the stripped it. version of it, right? Yes. That's great, too. I loved it. You remember that song, Christian? Which one? Valerie. Uh-huh. You've you heard it. You've got, it. oh, it's one of the best. And have you heard the original? I listened to the original. It sounds nothing like the way she did it. That's what was so That's genius. Cool. Her, her version of Valerie, you should listen to it going home. It's an awesome song. It went to number two in the singles charts in the autumn of 2007. Um, she made return, she returned to live performing. And three nights into a European tour, Amy and Blake were arrested in Norway for possession of marijuana which they'd been smoking in their hotel room. And they spent a night in jail before paying a fine. She was denied a U.S. visa as a consequence, which meant she couldn't tour America. But in Norway, isn't that, is that where marijuana is legal? That's Amsterdam. Amsterdam, oh, okay. The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Is this right next door? It's up in the Nordic region. A little further north. Somewhere in there, huh? Sweden, Norway. So if they had been in the Netherlands, they would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, if they were, if they were in Amsterdam, they would have been great. The, I know. Isn't that crazy? In fact, the crazy thing is she never visits the U.S. again. Never. Back to Black continued to sell in America, and finally, Universal released Frank, which was a hit. And in November 2007... A few months after he was assaulted the guy in June, so this is November and that June is when he assaulted the guy, he was arrested for conspiring to bribe the guy for 200,000 pounds, which is $318,000, and it would be where the guy wouldn't give evidence against him in court and hopefully get him off, and this arrest carried a potential sentence of life imprisonment. Amy performed at a concert in Birmingham. She came on stage late, complained to her audience about Blake being arrested, and the audience heckled and booed her. She got mad and said, first of all, if you're booing, you're a mug cunt for buying a ticket. Second of all, to all them people booing, wait till my husband gets out of incarceration. The audience laughed. Soon after, she canceled the tour. 
And even though she canceled, she would always pay her band for the whole tour. So that's the good thing about her. That's good. If she got canceled, her band still got paid. She made sure of it. So with Blake in prison, Amy surrounded herself with fellow drug users and let herself go, getting stoned day and night. Uh, the paparazzi set up camp outside of her apartment and took pictures of her in a drunken state all the time. Her appearance deteriorated. Her skin became bad. She lost a tooth. Uh, and months later, she angered Blake by arranging to see him and then failing to show up, even though she only lived 15 minutes from the prison. Uh, but I thought, you know, and I wrote this, that she could have been advised to kind of keep her distance, which I would have told her if I was a part of her team. Uh, because by this time, the detectives were investigating her possible involvement in that conspiracy charge because she was the only one with the money. Yeah, right. it had to come from her. And, you know, how would how would he have, be able to give that much money if she was the owner of her own company? Right. So she, Amy was was questioned in December but not, not charged. She flew to the Caribbean for Christmas having swallowed packages of heroin before boarding her flight, according to a friend who, who told this after her death. Uh, and so she was interviewed by detectives again when she came home. Finally, her record company had had enough, and Lucien, the chairman of Universal Music, said, that's it. She can't perform again until after she goes to rehab. He said, that's it. As a result, on January 24th, 2008, Mitch drove Amy to a private psychiatric hospital in North London. She didn't want to go, and she threatened to kill herself en route. Uh, but he took her anyway, to his credit. When she repeated her threat in the hospital, they discussed having her sectioned. I didn't know what that really meant. Maybe that meant committed without her permission. Mm -hmm. But in the end, they just sedated her, and over the next few days, she was treated at, at a few different clinics. And all this was happening in the days leading up to the Grammy Awards, which was held at the Staples Center in Los Angeles on February 10th, 2008. She was nominated in several categories, and her management had been trying to get her a U.S. visa so she could appear live on the show, but her visa was denied because of her drug history. Arrangements were made for her to perform via satellite from London, and she won five Grammys on the night, on that night, including Best Pop Vocal Album for Back to Black and Record of the Year for Rehab. And I want to say it's even shown in the documentary. She was so thrilled that Natalie Cole and Tony Bennett, mm -hmm. her musical hero, she was gave shocked. her, yeah, she's like, Mom, look, it's, Dad, look, it's Tony Bennett, for God's sake. That. Yeah, she was so happy that it was Tony Bennett that came out and gave her the record of the year for rehab. And she made a, cracked a joke about Justin Timberlake's What Goes Around, Come Around, because I think that was nominated. She's like, what kind of a title is that? What Goes <laughs> Around, Come Around. You hear that in the outtakes. And, um... Her brother, mother, and friends, Juliet and Lauren, were there, and they were elated. And in the documentary, her friend Juliet said that Amy pulled her aside later and said, because she wasn't doing any drugs, she said, Juliet, this is so boring without drugs. And Juliet said, I felt so sad for her because this is the biggest night of the year. And, and it's funny because I remember reading about um, uh, Billie Holiday and Billie Holiday couldn't, you know, back in the day, they would um, penalize you if you were doing drugs, like heroin she was doing. And that's how she died, died penniless in a hospital, Billie Holiday, because they wouldn't let her perform at any clubs in New York. 
she couldn't get a license to perform. And it's kind of weird how this all kind of, their, their lives were kind of parallel, even though Amy would say she wasn't inspired by her that much. But I almost feel like she was to me in a weird subconscious way. Mm -hmm. She had a, you know, Billie Holiday had a horrible relationship with the guy that she was with. She got involved in heroin. It just, it ruined her life. It's just kind of amazing. Yeah. I just had that thought. Twin flames. Twin flames. Yeah. Because to me, she sounded a lot like Billie Holiday. She had the same tone. Very yeah. similar tone. And she, she would say F her when she was talking about when people bring up Billie Holiday. And I kind of felt like that was a disservice because if I was interviewing Amy, I'd be like, what do you mean? Frank Sinatra said that was one of the most influential singers to him. You know what I mean? I think I wish I could have told her. Someone would could have told her that. It's not a bad thing to be no. compared to people. No, Billie like that. Holiday, of course, and the fact that Billie made such a uh, impact on Frank Sinatra, they, they were um, soulmates in a way. Well, I mean, but it's weird. I mean, it, Amy, you know, ever since her parents divorced, it seems like she was always a rebel, and she wanted to create her own path and Completely. create her own person, and didn't matter if it was destructive or or it helped her. Mm -hmm. So for her to be compared to someone like, oh, you're just like this person. She's like, oh, fuck that. I'm not like anybody. Right. Yeah. I have my influences, but I'm not like anybody. But she wouldn't even she wouldn't even own in being influenced by Billy. And I kind of felt that was like, like, I almost felt like that was a little bit of a lie on her part. Well, I think she kind of played more to the tomboy kind of aspect. Of Maybe so. That's a good point. That's a good point. Very true. So American sales of Back to Black rose dramatically after the Grammys, yet Amy was unable to tour America, and she was unable to work, work at all because of a drug problem. So did she never tour in the U.S.? No. Never again, not after that. Wow. Isn't that sad? It's really sad. She would have made a lot of money, oh, too. Oh, there's a ton of people who would have seen her. Oh, my God. It would have been sold out. In March 2008, she moved out of her apartment, which she continued to own, into a townhouse around the corner in Camden. And she hired Dr. Christina Romet, a private uh, practitioner to kick heroin, who would treat Amy for the remainder of her life. Um, so while she was attempting to kick heroin, she was supposed to be writing and recording a theme song with Mark Ronson again, who would produce it for the James Bond film Quantum of Solace. But Amy continued to use crack and heroin even at the studio and was often incapable of working. I did read somewhere that her and Mark would just argue because she'd go into a bathroom and come out high as a kite. So here's, some, here's a story that's coming here. So Amy had a fling with a young man who, who worked for her manager. Okay, And the News of the World, which is the newspaper at the time, published an account of the affair in which the man was quoted as saying quoted as saying that Amy reached for a crack pipe as soon as she woke up. She lived on junk food, which as a bulimic, she then forced herself to vomit. She cut herself and attacked people when she was drunk. That's what the kid said. He was further quoted as saying that Amy said that she thought she would join the 27 Club. She was at the studio... She spoke to Blake from the studio by telephone, and she confessed to the fling that she had with this kid. Maybe because it was already going to come out mm -hmm. in the newspaper, might have been it. So whatever happened during the conversation, it triggered a breakdown in her. And her dad would later write, I had never seen Amy so bad. 
her dad would write. She had cuts on her arm. This is at the studio. He came. He had to come. She had cuts on her arms and face. She stubbed out a cigarette on her cheek and had a bad cut to her hand when she punched the mirror. That was during the breakdown at the studio. Mitch had to restrain her while nurses bandaged and tried to calm her down. And her, bro her dad was so um, disturbed by what Amy had done to herself that he tried to have her committed. And the bomb theme, the bond theme, I call it the bomb. <laughs> the bond theme was abandoned that day. The whole theme song. She returned home when she where she suffered another seizure and had to go back to the London clinic. And she was now diagnosed with emphysema, among other problems. So people don't know she had emphysema too. Twenty-five of emphysema, Jesus Christ. Crazy. I mean, he said he was horrified. I'm sure. Of yeah, and so he was doing it, you know, and that's we could see she was going in and out of rehab. Well, I did not know he started for, trying to force her to do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it happened the other on. time. And then Blake, Blake would showed up the other time, and then they started doing it, you know, when he tried to keep Blake from. I think that's probably why they hated Blake because they were so toxic together. Yeah, you know, they were so toxic together. Um, and both sets of parents knew that, that it was just too much. Mm -hmm. She got worse. She did perform a full set at the Glastonbury Music Festival, which is a huge, famous... Like Coachella. The Glastonbury Festival was started in 1979 by Michael Evis. It is a five-day music festival that takes place in Somerset, England. In addition to contemporary music, the festival hosts dance, cabaret, comedy, circus, and theater acts. Glastonbury is the largest Greenfield Festival in the world and is now attended by around 175,000 people. The prestigious festival has hosted such diverse acts as David Bowie, Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash, Van Morrison, Earth, Wind & Fire, Radiohead, The Rolling Stones, Foo Fighters, Beastie Boys, Bob Dylan, Coldplay, Adele and Beyonce, to name a few. I think she performed with the Rolling Stones. No. Yes, she did. She really? performed. Um, a, 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 you know what? Did I send it to you? No, huh? Mm -mm. She did perform a song with the Rolling Stones. It was pretty cool. Um, she did. It was at a festival. And so Blake pleaded guilty in court in July uh, to whatever he was charged with, the GBH, the grievous bodily harm, and perverting the course of justice, and was sentenced to 27 months, so he got off easy. Mm -hmm. Amy reluctantly played several festival shows that summer. Typically, she arrived late, and I think it's during those festivals that she had performed with the Rolling Stones. People can go on YouTube and look it up. By 2008, her friends feared for her life because she went in and out of hospitals, and when she wasn't in hospitals, she was at the pub. Uh, the party would continue after hours at her house, her townhouse, all day, and her relationship with the paparazzi disintegrated, as we saw in that documentary. If she got, if they got aggressive, she would lose her temper and punch them or whatever and curse them out, or, you know. And so finally, in November 2008, she checked into another London clinic, wanting to quit hard drugs. And although there were relapses in the months ahead, she ultimately succeeded in getting clean of heroin and crack cocaine 
by substituting it for alcohol, which is what Christian said earlier. She did substitute it, which kind of makes me think that there was a bit of ADHD here. I think there is. There was something, something mental illness going on there was somewhere. Something that wasn't addressed and kind of just let her. Do you think she was just on a, a a path? I almost feel like there was a path that it was a. Well, I think at a certain age or, or like a certain time period of where she's gotten into this drug usage and she's gotten into this drinking that she's basically accepted the fact of her death. Like she's so deep yes. down this dark rabbit hole that she is. She's got to know it's. Not going to end well. Well, it's that, but... So say I'm going to join the 27 Club. Yeah, she's pretty aware of it. She's not, you know, oblivious to the fact that her Maybe wanted to. Maybe. I mean, Maybe. Look, I mean, those are all depressants that she's doing. I mean, she's taking... Booze is a, a severe depressant. You, yeah, you it is. You drink a lot of that, that'll bring you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, there, there's nobody that I know that wakes up after a night of heavy drinking and says, wow, I feel great and I'm ready to, like, live life. What? There's nobody... Why Why are you ruining it for me? Oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. You ain't smoking heroin or crap. No, so. yeah. well, no, okay. no, 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 no. Um, so two weeks before Christmas, Amy gathered to get, uh, gathered her friends and people in, together, and they caught a flight to St. Lucia again, where she spent the next few months on a drunken sunshine vacation, which is probably what she needed to get away. So family members and friends joined her for Christmas, and after seeing Amy convert with another man in St. Lucia, Blake filed for divorce. And I also read somewhere, and he also said later that the main reason that he filed for divorce is that both sets of parents was was like, this got to stop between you two, because she had spiraled so she was doing worse while he was in jail. Mm -hmm. She drank more than ever at the hotel. I cut it out, but I, I do remember reading somewhere that she was like crawling around on the floor at this hotel. It, it was ugly. And so for privacy reasons, she moved into a private villa at the beach. And for the next few months, she lived the life of like a beach bum in St. Lucia. And she looked kind of healthy. I mean, they showed it in them documentary. She I know better. Yeah, her hair was growing she was out. She looked, Yeah, she was off crack. And she looked healthier. And her skin looked great. And her dad flew out to see her. And he brought business people there and journalists to see her, which didn't please her, as you saw in the documentary. Mitch would later say that it was, you know, blown a bit out of proportion and that they had a lot of good times but the journalist Daphne had had an agreement with Mitch to make a film about Amy but Amy didn't cooperate because she needed her space and her time so Blake was granted a divorce on July 16 2009 and Blake says that when Amy asked her father how much Blake was getting in the settlement Mitch told her with satisfaction not a penny and she wrote a song of that title as a result. I don't know where it is, but I'm sure you can listen to it called Not a Penny. But he didn't want her money, he said. He didn't want any of her money. After the divorce, she had a breast enhancement uh, surgery, and she wanted to get a nose job next. Uh, she told her dad she was unhappy with seeing herself in the mirror, which I don't know why. She was a very pretty girl. And shortly after the breast enlargement, she hosted a 30th birthday party for her brother Alex. And then uh, Alex talked about it later on. She then ruined the party by getting drunk and becoming obnoxious and telling everyone to leave. So she ruined her brother's 30th birthday party. He said he told her off, you know, and that she did listen to him, but he wasn't happy that she ruined his 30th birthday party. Can you imagine? 
Brian gives you a 30th birthday party. He gets drunk at your 30th birthday party and then tell everybody to get the hell out. That's the party he organized. He organized it. I think you would punch him. (laughs) So Amy was soon bored of the suburbs and she moved back to London, central London. She started dating a really nice guy, a 33-year-old guy named Reg Travis in the spring of 2010. Reg had a job and didn't do drugs. She was writing new songs for a new album, working at home in a keyboard borrowed from another member of her band. There were recording sessions where she tried out her little ideas, and she told her friends that she liked Reg because he treated her well. He treats me like a lady. Now, I wonder if Blake was out. Well, we'll get to this. Oh, yeah, just wait. Although Amy and Blake were divorced, she remained in contact with him, which we know. He was now out of jail and living in Sheffield with a girlfriend, and Amy visited Blake, and they started. They still saw each other. Uh, they were photographed kissing in Camden in March 2010, shortly after which Amy tweeted, I love my husband Blake, and it ain't wrong. Married for life. The following month, they were photographed walking hand-in-hand hand on a night out in the Capitol during which they visited Jazz After Dark, a Soho club she frequented. Reg refused to be jealous of Blake, accepting him as part of Amy's past, he took the view that she was over the relationship or was trying to deal with Blake in a civilized way. I don't know if being photographed kissing somebody. I'm pretty sure it's being Reg over somebody. is a little clueless over here or in denial. Yeah, that might have been it because I think I would have been pissed. Yes. Seeing you kiss somebody and photograph holding oh, hands. And somebody to put Mary for in a life. Civilized way. You know, tweet Mary for life. No, Reg, you better get out of there. <sighs> Oh, no. So Amy turned 27, September 2010. And during the depths of her drug period, she often predicted that she would join the 27 Club, Um, which might be a part of the whole, if you say it enough, it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, She was committed to perform at at a show in Russia at the end of 2010. It wasn't good. Uh, when she did it, and she did a short tour of Brazil in New Year, starting with a festival appearance uh, on January 8th, 2011. She was sober and focused for the first night, but by the fifth night, which was January 13th, she walked around drunk on stage, shouting lyrics and falling over while attempting, attempting to do a period, how do you say it? It's for ballet. A puree? Puree. Puree? No. Yes. Oh. Something like that. I know what yes. you're trying to say. She was tempting to do a puree. Puree? I don't know. I'm not a dancer. I you know, idea. like a ballet when they twirl around with their little leg up like puree. this? It's a puree. Oh. But that. Plie? Plie? Puree. P-I-R-O-U-E-T-T-E. She was tempting to do that. And she was falling over while attempting to do it. And it's funny because... Um, Kevin had a friend that lives in Brazil. He saw her, and he said he didn't know that she had a problem until the friend was talking to him, and he was like, you saw Amy Winehouse? Because you know he loved her. And he was like, yeah, but she wasn't good, and it might have been around this night when she was walking around drunk on stage shouting mm-hmm. lyrics. So she had a seizure in front of her doctor in January 2011 after the, the Brazil shows and was admitted to another London clinic as a result but she went back to the bottle as soon as she got home. 
and on March 2011, Amy took part in her last significant recording session when she sang Body and Soul with Tony Bennett at Abbey Road Studios for his second album of duets. Abbey Road Studios is a recording studio at 3 Abbey Road in London, England. It was established in November 1931 by the Gramophone Company, a predecessor of British music company EMI, which owned it until Universal Music took control of part of EMI in 2013. A list of musical giants like Fats Waller and Pink Floyd have recorded in one of the three studios. It is most known for the Beatles, who used Studio 2 as their refuge and place to experiment and record most, if not all, of their albums there. In the fact, the technical staff was responsible for upgrading the entire Beatles catalog in 2009. Today, Abbey Road Studios remains an active recording studio and location of the successful TV show, Live from Abbey Road TV series. Now, Abbey Road Studios. Do you know what famous group? Beatles. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. She was coherent and sober, and they got along famously. She said in an interview, I don't know if I sent it to you. I think I did, where she was like, oh, my God. She told her dad, Tony Bennett said my name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was so thrilled to be there, and he thought so highly of her. And he said it later on. He wished he had just told her just to calm down and just keep living life. Life will work, sort everything out if you just keep living. And you, people can watch it on YouTube, them singing together. And, you know, she was such a perfectionist, but she was extremely coherent, extremely sober. You didn't miss a beat even in the vocals. I mean, it's kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad, too. She suffered a relapse over the next few weeks, and she would alternate between periods of drunkenness and abstinence. She ended up in a coma on May 16, 2011, and was taken to a London clinic. When she came out of it and against doctor's orders, she left the clinic. So Dr. Remet sent Amy a strongly worded letter, which he, she copied to her dad and her manager, Ray, and explained her medical problems and saying she would not be able to treat Amy further and warned that Amy was in immediate danger of death. So Dr. Remet was persuaded to continue working with Amy, but things she said things got to change. So on the morning of May 25, 2011, an intervention happened. Family members like Mitch, his sister, which was her aunt Melody, Reg, the doctor, everybody came together, various members came together and did an intervention and tried to persuade her to go to clinic for therapy. Like, this is it. You need to do intervention, you know. And like most intervention happens, you know, she was angry, she was abusive, and finally around lunchtime, she capitulated. So she was driven to the branch of the Priory Clinic in London. Six days later, on May 31st, 2011, she discharged herself. And she was angry that people had persuaded her to go. And again, it goes back to... And it happens all the time. Right. It, sure. goes, it goes back to Nick. He goes, you know, if she'd originally gone at a younger age, she never wanted to go. Right. And then you're never going to get better unless you want to go and you want to get better yourself. Right. And they normally say, and I know from when we did um, our show on Elliot Smith that it takes so many times. Look how many times she's in and out of rehab. Um, it takes 
a lot of times, even intervention. I think when we did our interview with um, Gary Stromberg, he said that the guy from Three Dog Night, he, they did like, he went in like 27 times before he finally kicked it. The, the lead singer of Three Dog Night. Mm. Um, but he did kick it. But unfortunately, and it's sad because she returned home and started drinking again six days later or whatever it was. Yeah, six days later. She joked to her drummer about Dr. Romette warning when Dr. Romette warned that her drinking was putting her life in danger. She joked to her drummer, oh, the doctor doesn't think I'm going to last much longer. You know, she won't last to the end of the year. And this was May 31st. 2011 and so it's kind of crazy what you put out there as we will see in like five seconds so there were plans afoot for a European tour starting in Belgrade Serbia on June 18th and Mitch wrote that Ray and him felt that she was showing signs of beating her alcoholism because she alternated between abstinence I know so that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard I think of any alcoholic will tell you you never beat it that's true I, her father i have a hard time understanding it every day i know he said that they just agreed to proceed slowly uh before confirming that east european tour and troy miller i think that was her drummer did agree that amy wanted to do it she said yes at least so initially is what he's saying on the eve of the tour amy told her dad I don't want to perform. And he asked her why, and he couldn't really get a good explanation out of it. Uh, the next day, she apparently changed her mind again, boarded the private plane, and then the first show of the tour, uh, it was on the evening of Saturday, January 18th, 2011, in an open-air theater in Belgrade. And um, I guess if you cancel, you lose out on the money, right? You just Oh, yeah. Everything. And that show was bad. Disaster. It's pretty sad to look at now. Did you see it, Christian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was... uh used to sing. I know. They gave her that warm reception when she appeared on stage in that little little mini dress. Her little beehive was gone. It was, had this little collapsed wig on or whatever. But she came on stage and embraced her musical director, Dale Davis who stopped playing his guitar to welcome her. He hugged her. And like you said, she wouldn't perform, and she fidgeted, and it was bad. I felt sad looking at it. It was and really sad. Torn. You get kind of stressed looking at it, because she was out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and finally, the stage manager just got her off the stage because the crowd started booing, you know. And they, I think people would sing in the songs to the lyrics to her, you know, but she just refused, and there was no encores. But she would never perform again. That was the last never. time. Never. That was it. June 18th. So she was pretty sober after several days after Belgrade. And from what I understand, she did see that show and was kind of, you know, yeah. she felt a little embarrassed about it. But she started drinking again off and on. And on July 21st, 2011, Mitch visited her before he left for New York. And he said she was looking at family photographs and kind of reminiscing. And on July 22nd, her mom, Janice, which was the next day, so he visited her on the 21st, which was Thursday. Her mom visited her for lunch. Her mom and her fiancé visited her for lunch on July 22nd 
at lunchtime, and Amy made them tea and showed her mom the photos that she had been looking at when she saw her dad. But she had plans for the future, you know. Janice noticed that her daughter had dresses laid out to choose for Nick Shymansky's wedding, which was on that Sunday. Um, and when she got ready to leave, when her mom left her, you know, Janice was leaving. Amy hugged her and said, I love you, mommy. And Janice said, I love you, too. And Amy started drinking throughout the rest of the day. She was drinking vodka, said her bodyguard, who had popped out between 4 and 5 in the afternoon to buy some milk. And when he came back, Amy was in the kitchen and having a snack. And then she went up to her room where she listened to music and watched TV and surfed the Internet. But she drank vodka throughout the day. And at 7 p.m., Dr. Romette, that Friday, Dr. Romette paid a home visit to Amy. She said she was a little tipsy, but she didn't slur her words. And she was holding a full conversation with the doctor. Uh, she wasn't suicidal. And after Romette had left... Amy spoke to Reg on the phone. He said, I'm going to come over later on with some takeout. And when Reg said he rang again later on in the evening, he couldn't get an answer. But he said it was a bit strange. He said he just left her a long message and said, I'm ready to come over. Just call me back. So he waited for her to call him back. And when she didn't, he just went home where he sent her a long text message to which she didn't reply. But we, we hear later on that she spent much of the evening looking at YouTube videos of herself with Andrew, her bodyguard. And Andrew said that she showed him some live footage of herself performing, and she declared, boy, I can sing. And he responded, you damn right you can sing, you know. And then she's told him, if I could give it back, Andrew, just to walk down that street wouldn't just to walk down the street with no hassle I would and around 2 30 a.m. Andrew went to his own room where he watched the film but he said he could still hear her you know moving about upstairs and around dawn it seems like she went to sleep and he checked on her around 10 a.m. on Saturday July 23rd you know she was lying on her bed she was looked peaceful and he assumed she was asleep so he left her alone and he found her dead sometime after that. It's hard to tell the exact time of death for her because nobody was there when she died. And as stated before, she was scheduled to attend her former manager, Nick Shymansky's wedding, which still happened. But Nick said it felt like a wake at the wedding. You know, everyone was pretty sad. And beyond that, she had plans to go to the Caribbean to celebrate her birthday her 28th birthday in September, and her and Reg had talked about marriage, but there was no proposal. So there was no suicide. It just was a, it was just an accidental death. So her funeral was held that Tuesday, July 26th in North London. It consisted of two parts, a two-part service on an overcast day, like today, what we're, what we're dealing with. Isn't that amazing? And in L.A., we're dealing with a rainy, overcast day. Uh, first, there was a public service at a Jewish cemetery, followed by a private ceremony at a crematorium. And in his remarks to the mourners, Rabbi, Rabbi Hellner said that Amy's death put her in the same company uh, as Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and Kurt Cobain. He said, not because I thought there was anything to read into it because of the 27 Club, but more the tragedy of lost youth, the tragic circumstances in which youth is taken and ironically 
they happened to be the same age. And by all accounts, her dad gave a heartfelt eulogy for his daughter and shared a lot of great stories about Amy. And the service, which included prayers in English and Hebrew, ended with the re-edition, rendition of So Far Away by Carole King, which was one of her favorite songs. Um, I think I sent that song to a you. a good song. It was a great song. So sales, of course, like in any time, happens. Uh, sales of her music just increased after her death all around the world, including the U.S., and her parents created a foundation in Amy's name, and it would be a charitable found organization to benefit young people who have addiction issues. And her official cause of death was accidental alcohol poisoning, and her blood alcohol limit was over five times higher for the UK drunk drive limit. So she had 416 milligrams of alcohol, and I think the British legal limit is 80 milligrams of alcohol. Well, I, it probably would have killed me. I mean, yeah. I mean, look. Oh, I, me too. The problem is too is like a lot of alcoholics sustain a lot of damage to the liver. So even if yeah. they have... Yeah. Their tolerance is off the charts. Well, the tolerance is off the charts, but at the same time, is their liver's not flushing out even from the nights before. So it's yeah. just sitting there. So even if, if you are a full-blown alcoholic and you have a heavy night of drinking, good chances your liver's not functioning properly, mm. you're still going to be over the legal limit three days later. So you do that mm. shampoo effect. Well, that and combined with her eating disorder, like she's her her body just couldn't handle that. Yeah. Much her longer. her brother seems to think that the bulimia bulimic that can kill her bulimia partially caused the death. Both of them, I think, you know, her heart just probably stopped. Yeah, kind of like Karen Carpenter's. I mean, bulimia killed Karen Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she was wearing children's size clothing. Oh. She, and she wasn't eating. She was not had no nutrients in mm. her body. She was just drinking vodka. And no water. No, she, I think it was a combination of both. I really do believe that. Yeah, it was enough to stop the breathing. I mean, a police officer reported that three empty vodka bottles were found in her bedrooms. Oh, well, shoot. Three empty vodka bottles. I just think it was beyond help, honestly. It's so sad. I know, it's sad. After her death, her record company released a posthumous album called Lioness, which was Hidden Treasures. The album received good reviews, Mm -hmm. but most of the tracks were covers or outtakes of songs already released. And Mitch and Janice appeared with Amy's musical hero, Tony Bennett, at the Grammys in February 2012 to accept an award for the duet that she did with Tony. and back home, the probate settlement of her estate was announced, and she died without a spouse or, ch- or children. Her fortune was divided equally between her parents. You know what I did read? That she desperately wanted to be a parent. She There's wanted no children. Way she would have been able to carry a child. She wanted children. Not with that kind of dating disorder and the way that she, no chance. She wanted children. And I want a million bucks. <laughs> You might get it, actually. Maybe. You're probably already a millionaire. Come on. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I might have won the lottery. I'm going to have to tell you guys. What? Just kidding. Oh, I'll find you. <laughs> First of all, you and Megan will probably get gone and change your number. I'm going to find you because I'm going to go where Frank Sinatra lived and start there. That's good. That's, That's where I'm going to start. That's a great place to start. Start there. You have no idea how close you are. Good. I think I'm going to win the lottery first. I think so, too. Yeah, there you go. I just 
bought our lottery tickets just today. Go. So you are you ready? We're gonna go to Nobu. I'll take you in. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. All right, you done? You ready? I'm in. Yes. All right, I'm put that in here. Amy once remarked that she wanted to be buried with her beloved grandma Cynthia, who she called Nan, and ultimately her wishes prevailed. A year and two months later, two days after what would have been her 29th birthday, the family interred the ashes of Amy and Cynthia together at the cemetery, and they erected a black gravestone with Bible inscriptions as well as the Star of David inscribed in sugar pink lettering. Uh, and also they put a list of all her friends and family on there too, or you know, her parents did. It was pretty awesome. Three years after her death on her 31st birthday, the city of Camden unveiled a statue of her. And according to Mitch, uh, the council doesn't normally allow statues of people who've been dead for less than 20 years. But it made an exception for Amy because it didn't need 20 years to work out that she was an exceptional. That's what Mitch said. And that's true. Mm -hmm. She was exceptional. Yeah, she really was. She was exceptional, and as we know, the documentary came out a few years later. In mm -hmm. what what year? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen, and we were talking right before we started shooting that the documentary won an Oscar, a BAFTA, Grammy, Grammy for uh, best documentary, best, or music, best film. music film, yeah, documentary. Yeah, and you said it was nominated for thirty three. Thirty three awards. It was an amazing documentary. So, I mean, like, what do you think overall about this whole thing? I know it's sad. I mean, I was kind of stressful doing this, it, this outline. I was a little it's stressful. It's like watching, you, well, you know the end result, and you're just yeah. reading and learning about all that ensued in between. It's then. like a train. Mm -hmm. It's like what you're talking about, a train, a train wreck? No yeah, a train with no brakes. It's so sad. I think about it a lot, actually. I listen to her pretty regularly, and mm -hmm. I... I you just, listen to her coming to work or what? I do, yeah. And I I just, it's such a waste of talent. Yeah. But you, you know? feel that way about all of those who died at 27. Like, like I think about that about Kirk Cobain. Yeah, and we had talked Jimmy about Hendrix. doing a show. I want to do a show about the 27 Club, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a friend of mine had said that her power came out of her pain. Mm. Yeah, well, she certainly channeled that to... And she sacrificed for it, like, deeply. I mean, like, Adele's, you know, had breakups and wrote about it in her she albums. Did. And it was painful. 21 was beautiful album. Yeah, and it was painful, you know, rolling the deep and all that. And, and you know, she actually took a page but went the opposite way. You know what I mean? She got married, had a kid, but she is not performing a lot. She stays out of the limelight a lot. But she also didn't have a drug addiction. She doesn't have a drug addiction. Or alcohol addiction. Right. I mean. Or an eating disorder. It's, I know. Or doesn't self-harm. I know. Oh, God. I know. Amy, you know, her end quote, you know, one of the end quotes that I have, it comes from Amy herself. And she once said, I'm a girly girl. It's just my music. It's the only thing I have real dignity in my life. That's the one area of my life where I can hold my head up and say, no one can touch me. Because you know what? No one can touch me. That's what she said. She was right. Yeah, She was true. so confident in her capabilities as a singer. Yeah, she should be. She was incredible. I but know. It's her, her downfall was her addictions and how she viewed herself and how she yeah. took care of herself. 
And I mean, lastly, we talked about this. I, I think I was talking to you and Christian is that, you know, for anybody out there who's dealing with addiction issues, suicide, depression, there is help for you. Yeah. There is help for you. It doesn't matter how many times you go. We talked about the three dog night guy. You just can't give him. up. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because like, none of us have experienced right. that. Right. I can't even imagine how difficult that would be. Completely. And people so, should. But they, yeah, you just can't give up. There's apps. I, I called someone who's who has dealt with like alcoholism and stuff like that. And they said that there is help out there, even in an app called meeting guide or something like that where you you download it and if any teenager out there like amy she started pretty young you know go get help go to you know www.na.org narcotics anonymous aa.org you know alcoholics anonymous go to your crisis support services which is www.css N is in Nancy, V is in Victor.org. Go, you know, there are people there. You can do it anonymously. Nobody has to know. Do it as many times as you need to, right? Yes. You know, definitely get help because um, it's out there for you. And let her be the cautionary tale. Yeah. You know, she would want people to get help, I think. I think so, too. And I think, you know, her her family has that foundation. They do. So they, they should definitely go on her uh, foundation's website to see if there's any help out there, you know, because she was a cautionary tale, I think, even for her parents. Yeah. You know. So any last remarks? I'll let you, because this is your girl, I'll let you end it with, what, what do you want to say? Anything, anything. I'm not sure. I just, I I feel fortunate to have been on this planet when she was on this planet because mm. she was such a talent and yeah well, do you know what happened the day because i remember hearing about her and calling kevin and he was shocked he didn't know that she had died and i was like oh my god amy winehouse and he's like what amy winehouse died yeah he, he was shocked i remember what about you i was living in san diego i was living in pacific beach and i remember I was driving. I remember exactly where I was driving when mm-hmm. I found out. You heard it on the radio, mm-hmm. or somebody called you. Yeah. No. No. It was radio. Wow. Did they stop what they were doing? Kind of like the Princess Diana. When Princess Diana is like it's everything just, stopped. It's just n- the news of it. You're yeah. Like I was like, what? I think I was driving to get lunch. Did or you know she had a problem? Yes. Oh yeah. I you knew, did. but I didn't know it was that bad. I had no idea. Right. I knew that she. I don't think had most struggled. people know. But well, I had no idea. I mean, it was that bad. Did you pretty, know? Well, not to the, the extent of this, but I think everybody's well aware because it was pretty well documented in that she was she was a drug addict. I mean, she was basically. I mean, like maybe. See, I didn't even know. pay attention. I I didn't. I did see like a clip when that Serbia concert happened, and it was nonsense. I didn't know about Brazil. No, I mean, I think I think it was just basically kind of known. She she was definitely at. A, a severe, not a severe, but she had a drug problem. But to the right. point of what we're reading here and what we just kind of dove it's into. It's crazy. And I hate to say this, the fact that she made it as far as she did. Mm. I mean, she lost a tooth at like 25? <laughs> yeah. nutrient deficiency. That's crazy. Wasn't, haven't she done anything in her body? Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. And I want to say, what must it be like as a parent to see your kid? I said this earlier just spiral 
completely out of to a point of no return. Yeah. That I mean, my heart does go out to Mitch and Janice because that must Oh, you could just crush you. You don't get to see I mean, it was so dramatic and messy. Like it was like to an nth degree of dramatic and messy. I think that's every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, oh, oh, for to, sure it to is. Bury yeah, child. they shouldn't. You should never have to bury your own never, child. Never, never. And she became so manipulative. I think she was manipulative even from an early age, which is why Mitch struggled with. The, she's fine. She's just heartbroken. She's upset. No, he's also you know, wasn't there too. So he yeah, to so he didn't yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah Janice. Time. You know, she had more of a insight on where it was like a train like you said without brakes you know and she had a better um you know yeah i just don't know what you're forced to do i, I think don't people know should go to I, like i said i'm narcotics not a parent. anonymous you know i asked i i asked gary um last year when i interviewed him for rockabies like what do you do when you're a family member and you see that? Like, imagine her brother having to see that, you know, ruining my birthday yeah. party and that. And he said, the one thing I would say to family members is just not to give up and just to keep going to London, or like in this case, London clinics as much as possible. Mitch would say that he, they did make mistakes. He said, we had to learn from trial and error and the conflicting advice that they took from various people. He said they tried everything. They tried interventions, rehab, detox, shouting, cajoling, and some people chose tough love, like her friend Juliet. I think in the documentary, yeah, Nick. Speak to her. Yeah, when they wouldn't speak to her, he said, "But we're her family. They couldn't leave her. They couldn't not speak to her." You know, is what he said. He said um, they had distant family members calling to say we should lock her in a room and not let her out until it was out of her system. And some people think that's all it takes, but it's not. No. You know, it's not all. That's what he said. No. He said, you know, it's just so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's no perfect way to handle a situation at the end of the day and you know, of course, looking back on it, you could say the parents could have done this or the husband could have done this right. or somebody could have done this. But she never really wanted to get better. Right. She never really gave it a full right. chance. Right. I don't know if I agree with that. Really? I think part of her wanted to but be better. But she kept saying, I'm going to I'm gonna join the 27 Club. To me, that's like a self-fulfilled prophecy. I think she knew she was in trouble. But I don't think. I mean, I don't, nobody wants. You don't, that. don't think, think she you don't think she that. wanted that. I part of me feels like there was a that. bit of manifestation she, going on. I don't think she wanted to die, but I think she she didn't like like you know. She didn't like. But she told said what to do. But she yeah, also but said, "I don't. I I'm not gonna live long, mom." I'm not gonna live long. Are those cries for help? Like I just don't think. Are they say cries that for help, me. or are they just you just okay? I did. You know what an ex-boyfriend once said to me? Because I'm like, you know, people like Janis Joplin and even like Jimi Hendrix who were just so supremely gifted up here. You know what I mean? And actually he said something interesting. That it's almost like you, it's a direct, like the universe is giving you a direct connection. And sometimes your your body can't handle it. 
your your spiritual being can, but maybe not your direct body. So it comes out in a different way. And she was supremely talented. I mean, beyond belief. I mean, the way she wrote lyrics, people couldn't think of lyrics like that. What, what we just well, talked about. Sang. Well, it was that. Was, I think. Her, I mean, she was way ahead like, of her years. It was like having a conversation, but. With, right, and with, she was poetic. Yes, exactly. It was like is, dealing with a poet. Which is unbelievable to do. Like, who writes po- lyrics like that at 20, 21? An old soul. Oh, she was... An old soul. Yeah. So she was like, she lived oh, she way ahead of her time. Oh, she absolutely old soul. So maybe she was just on a runaway train, so to speak. It was an old troll. But you disagree. You think that she didn't want to die. I don't that think she wanted, she wanted to, get to help. die. I just don't know if she really knew what would help her. Because rehab well, wasn't helping her. I'm not saying that she wanted to die. I'm saying that she did. She just me. Enjoyed being I think fucked that up. she just loved that right. feeling in the moment. Like that's all she knew. It right. Was something that she used from an early age to mask her pains and mask her whatever. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be put putting her back out of the road was a bad terrible. move. Terrible. She. she it was a terrible that. move. But even if she had got, I'm not too sure that it, it would have that it hurt her all that much because I think she was like what he said I think she was on a runaway train without brakes I think she was manifesting it on a deeper level I don't know maybe I'm wrong maybe somebody will disagree which is okay that it was I don't know if it would have helped her anyway not being on the I mean it definitely didn't help being at those concerts you're right she shouldn't have been there and but I don't know if it would have if if it wouldn't have sped up the death. That's the that's the unanswerable question, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. you know, was she gonna die anyway? Yeah. Especially with emphysema. Yeah. You know, and I guess you know. I mean, her legacy. The wonderful thing is, you know, because of that documentary, and we got to hear her sing so beautifully, and go listen to Moon River of a 16-year-old girl on, um, you know, her as a 16-year-old on YouTube and all those wonderful songs like Valerie. Mm-hmm. She's outlived that that section of her life that was so self-destructive. You know, now she's on the road to, like, just an icon yeah. and a legacy because so many people have come after her, like Adele and all them, but she was, like, the one that really... Remember Duffy? Yes, I remember Duffy yeah. and Dusty Springfield. Oh, Dusty yeah. Springfield... You know, son of a preacher man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was British, I think. Was was she British? But she no, she was more like. I know that Hall and Oates don't like blue eyed soul, but you know, it was she was Dusty Springfield was pretty amazing with her voice. She might have been British. I think Dusty Springfield was. Maybe, I do know the son of a preacher man was written for Aretha Franklin, and that she didn't do it, and then Dusty Springfield, and it became a huge hit, but. Um, I'm saying that, you know, Dusty was one of the first to really sing the soul and, but anyway, anyway, so that concludes uh, part two of Amy Winehouse. I'm kind of sad to leave her now. I know. It concludes it, but thanks for coming on. Yes. Thanks for having us. We're going to do more together. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Christian. Of course. I, you know, I'd like to chime in every once in a while, but uh, you guys are the two experts on Amy, so. What did you, did you know about Amy at all? Uh, you know, being completely honest. Did you know she loved Frank Sinatra as much as you? I did not know that. 
did not know it's that. kind of ironic but that now, we did the frank sinatra I, and then i do it with your fiance about amy mm-hmm. that's kind of unique well, actually it's kind, of, it's kind of strange to see like now that we dove so deep into frank and we mm-hmm. dove so deep into her like the similarities in the personalities as far as just they didn't they didn't care for anybody's flat no they were just good. They didn't care. They were going to And they were they about thought. being themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, even how he dealt with the mob and stuff like that. Like, oh, you yeah. didn't care? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like. Well, she said, I just want to be remembered for being me. Yeah. Like, who and says Frank, that? And at... Frank said, I did it my way. Exactly. He did. That's true. That's pretty incredible. So, I'm glad you learned something about her. Oh, Do I you... always learn doing these things with you. Oh, great. thank you. You have to come on more. We, we got another one coming up man mm-hmm. we do it's gonna come it's gonna be pretty fascinating too we're shifting gears from amy to Aaliyah. yes soon that's gonna baby be, girl baby girl that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be an interesting one um once we dig into the research on that one but um but i'm glad you came on and it's just like i said it's i don't know that might be written in the stars frank amy i know yeah hopefully we don't end up like no. Never. You're on the phone. Well, you guys have lived past. Well, you Frank, live past. Okay. Amy, yeah, Frank lived to in his 80s. And Amy, you're past the 27 Club. Yeah. By a bit. Just just got to, just, just right, right past there. Right past there. So see, you don't have that to worry about. Yeah. Now you can go do the hair when it crack. No. Yeah, oh, there no. you go. There Boom. You go. I, I heard there's an Boom. app for it. There you go. There you go. All right, so we're that concludes Amy Winehouse. Thank you to so we're thank on you. To, thank you. All right, and we're done. Rockabye. Woo!